Dotnet Rocks, episode 1025, with guest Denise Jacobs. Recorded Monday, August 18th, 2014. And here we are again, Richard. Indeed. Yes. You are at uh, your place in yeah. Vancouver. I'm at my place in New London, Connecticut, and we're here one more time. We're doing the summer thing. I've actually been home a fair bit, although I was at that conference last week and you know behaved badly. I Apparently, I need to have you around when we're at conferences. Oh, really? I'm the, I'm the guy who keeps you in check. <laughs> I think you just keep me busy so I don't get out of check. That's really strange for me <laughs> to be in that role. How did that happen? Usually, it's the other way around. Yeah. I know. I, I know we're bad influence on each other, actually. Well, uh, as you know, I've uh, really gotten into NUI in yes. a big way, new user interface and new user experience. And uh, I was sent a device from a company that I will tell you about in Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? Tobi.com. T-O-B-I-I.com. These Tobi, guys, huh? I think that's how you pronounce it, although our exchanges have been completely by email. But it makes sense because it's eye tracking software. Interesting. And, you know, they have the little eye thing over the dots, you know, over the eyes. So I'm thinking it's Tobi. If it's not, somebody missed out on a really good marketing opportunity. Yeah, so like easy ones. Easy ones. Well, and I've... I swear, I, this name seems familiar to me. I thought we saw these guys with, an, with a device integrated into a laptop a couple of years ago. Well, at OrDev, I remember somebody came up to us and gave us a demo, and you seem to think it was these guys. I don't remember who it was, to tell you the truth. It was three or four years ago, really. Right, yeah. It was a while ago. And it looks like they're now more interested in um, these glasses, which are kind of cool. Well, there's two things. There's the glasses, and then there's a, an actual bar that you can mount with a little magnetic strip at the bottom of your monitor. And that's what I did this morning. Okay. But I got to tell you, so there's some funny stories here. You want some funny stories? Hit me. All right. So in typical Carl fashion, you know, I just open up the box. You just went for it. Try to figure it out. The first thing I did was I had it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> so when I looked left, the eyes went right. And when I looked right, the eyes went left. And calibration didn't work for a damn. I bet. Yeah. You can't calibrate your way out of being upside down. No, you can't. <laughs> so I wondered why the calibration didn't work. And then I thought, let me just take a look at it. Ah, oh, you're an idiot, Carl. <laughs> so, so then, um, then I thought, okay, I'm getting serious about this. It's time to replace the duct tape with the magnetic strips. Nice. And uh, the duct tape wasn't working for me. You know, it just sort of moves around and doesn't keep it in place. And then I was like, yeah, I think I, maybe I'll crack this manual and see if they can help me. You know, the little pamphlet. Right. Sure enough, that explained what those little magnetic strips were that came in a little plastic bag. Oh. Yeah. The, one of them has an adhesive side, and there's a little alcohol wipe so you can wipe down your monitor and then pull off the paper, and then you can attach it to the bottom of your monitor it's a little magnet the magnetic nice. strip but it fits uh it snaps into the back of the uh of the bar and it just plugs into usb yeah it's just usb usb 3 nice 
So then I went through the whole thing and the calibration. And I think there's a problem with my lights. You know, any kind of spotlight glare is bad. Yeah, sure. These are all infrared sensors, right? Yeah. And I've got halogen lights that are behind me and above me and in my eyes and in its eyes. And it, I don't know. It, It worked well. It worked okay, but not as well as it should. Right. So I think it's my lights. But we'll, I'm going to go ahead and try. But you had the same battle way. with the Kinect too, right? Like anything with an infrared sensor on it really struggles, especially with halogens because they're so hot. Yeah, and they and they're spotty, right? You know, right. they're not uniform light, which is really what these things like. So, okay, that's it. So awesome, I will dude. keep you apprised uh, of the developments in this with this device. But I'm really liking it so far. Oh, so gadgety. Yep. There you go. Tobii.com. T-O-B-I-I.com. Know it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's talking to us today? So I grabbed a comment off of show 1001, which has been really, really popular. I mean, yeah. we, most of our shows are popular, but the one we did with Mark Seaman, when we ended up talking so much about flow, yep. uh, resonated with a lot of folks. And I thought it was particularly appropriate because we're talking to Denise, who's all about the same sort of thing. And this comment comes from TJ Butler, who says... Uh, my wife made the comment that I, quote, work way more than the average person, close quote. And even then this refers back to the fact that so many developers work late at night. Because, and, you know, mm-hmm. Mark talked about this all being in the flow, right. you know, needing uninterrupted time and so forth. Yeah. And TJ goes on to say, I'm trying to make sure that I'm not really overworking while still trying to convey that 2 a.m. push is not out of the ordinary. It's totally a function of the flow. Right. I thought that the only time I could get into the zone was when when most people were asleep. Since the show, I've been making a concerted effort to block time and to focus on flow while I'm at the office. If I do happen to get a call, I try to make a you were doing note to help myself get back in quickly after the break. Mm. I got to thank Mark and you guys for this topic. It was immediately helpful. That is so cool. And, you know, that was one of the big things that I took away from that conversation, too, was learning how to get to that flow state without hurting yourself. Right, you know? and not having to stay up all night either. Right. So I mean, that that was what I was cool about that, just this idea of you got to make a note or leave yourself some breadcrumbs right. along the way of where you were so that you can pick it back up again faster. And, mm. and I thought that was very cool about Mark's whole show is this idea of you're going to get interrupted. How do you minimize the harm from that? Yeah. So, TJ, thanks so much for your comment. A Donnet Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a Donnet Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at donnetrocks.com or in any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, for Windows Phone 7 and 8, for Windows 8, and for Android. And that brings us to Denise. Denise Jacobs is a speaker, author, creativity evangelist who speaks at conferences worldwide and consults with companies and individuals, teaching techniques to make the creative process more fluid methods for making work environments more conducive to creative productivity, and practices for sparking innovation. Working in web design and development since 97, she is an industry veteran and regarded expert on many things web. Denise is the author of the CSS Detective Guide, the premier book on troubleshooting CSS code, co-authored the smashing book number three, Redesign the Web and Interact with Web Standards, a holistic guide to web design, and was nominated for .NET Magazine's 2010 Best of the Web Standards Champion Award. She presents at events all over the world, including TED, South by Southwest, and Dev Intersection. There's a lot more to her bio, and you can read all of it at .NET Rocks.com. Hi, Denise. Welcome to .NET Rocks. How you doing? Doing great. 
How are Yay. you? Yay! I'm fantastic. It's always a pleasure to see you speak because I can feel the right brain working overtime. But you know, okay. I'm one of those guys, and you probably know this about me, mm. that I tend to live in flow state. And then, okay. you know, that's my reality. And then I come out of it for all the other stuff that I have to do. That's the that's way I feel when you, get, when you guys are all talking flow, leaving breadcrumbs. I don't need breadcrumbs. I just need code on my screen. And I'm right, I'm right there. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of amazing. I have the that opposite is, problem. That's, that's actually a, a, it's a good problem to have, though. It is and it isn't. I, I feel unbalanced in the other direction, actually. Really? And I, and I, really? Feel, I feel that I have to pull on the left brain to, to get back into reality sometimes. Mm, so kind of get be more grounded. Yeah. Thankfully, I've figured it out lately. I mean, well, I married a very grounded woman, and, uh-huh. and she's like the other half of my brain. Richard will tell you. Yeah, I highly recommend the practice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure, like, what, what the person I'm going to marry, what he's going to have, because, uh, you know, but even I feel if- like I can do both. Even if it's somebody you work with, right? If if you work right. if you can work with people who have those missing qualities and mm-hmm. are willing to help you in without con- being condescending, of course, you know. Yes, yes, complimentary qualities is really great and you know, I'm such a a, a strong proponent of creative collaboration um that you know, it's something like that can really make the difference between you kind of doing okay and doing amazingly. You yeah. know what I mean? Like actually doing okay work versus doing phenomenal work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does one teach creativity? It seems kind of strange to me. Well, you know, I like to think of myself not so much as a teacher of creativity per se, but more of like an encourager of creativity because hmm. I'm of the mind that everybody is creative in some way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're going to go off and paint a painting or, you know, be like Leonardo da Vinci and be an inventor and like a true Renaissance person and do all sorts of things. Doesn't mean that you're, you know, composing music or necessarily anything like that. But it does mean that there's a part of you that like completely comes alive when you're bringing something new into the world, Mm. right? And that could be writing code. That could be coming up with solutions to stuff. That could be creating an experience, you know, user experience or creating an actual physical experience like an event. I mean, everybody's got different places where they're creative, but uh, so many people have been kind of discouraged from being creative and therefore think they aren't creative. And so I feel like what I do is more of a encouragement or like a reawakening or helping you get back in touch with those areas that where you are creative and you kind of, you know, you shine creatively. Yeah. And I, I I guess that there's a lot more opportunities these days with the technology that we have to sort of help us bring that about, I feel. Do you, do you agree? I think there's a lot more with that. And I think that the fact that we're in a technical space requires that, right? Like it's, it's we don't have the luxury of being able to kind of sit around and kind of come up with ho-hum solutions or ho-hum products. I mean, like the technology and the technology space that we're in actually lends itself to this kind of explosion and this expansion of creative thought and 
application of ideas and things like that. So, you know, it's like you're kind of missing the boat in a lot of ways, I think. If you don't tap into your creativity, you're not going to be able to contribute to your company well, um, as well as you possibly could. You're not going to be able to potentially, if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting your own company, like to be able to kind of be ahead and, you know, kind of adapt to different market influences and things like that. Like you, you just do need to be creative. Everybody really needs to be creative and it's becoming increasingly important, I think, in, in all areas. Do we need to put a definition around what it means to be creative in the first place? Like, what are we talking about when you say, okay, well, that was creative? Well, like I said, my kind of working definition of creativity is bringing something new into the world that didn't exist before or that didn't exist in the way that you brought it in, right? Like they say that creativity is kind of bringing in something completely new and innovation is taking that which is already there and, you know, um, adapting it or, you know, improving upon it and making something new from something that exists. i got a real world example for you. And I I like to think of... um, my creativity is helping me put two inputs together to make an output that weren't necessarily designed to go together. Mm -hmm. They were designed separately, but Mm -hmm. using them together makes a new system. And so, Rich, you remember when I was telling you about uh, SignalR and and PostSharp, using those two things together, because I wanted to do some simple logging and I, and I didn't want to jump through hoops to do, a, you know, a big effort. I just wanted to wire up my entry, the entry points to my methods with some sort of logging. And I, and I wanted to send it up to the cloud and um, just using SignalR to do that with PostSharp, which is an, uh, you know, uh, aspect-oriented programming uh, toolkit, made that very, very easy. And so somebody tweeted, you know, I would have never have thought of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's pretty cool. You right. know, how did you think of that? And I, I can't tell you how I thought of that. I just, you know, that I lean on my right brain. I see, all right, what two things can I, you know, what things can I put together in my tool chest and the things that I understand and know that, mm-hmm. that might make the solution happen. But there right. is always this sense that we're always standing on the shoulders of giants, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. took two really capable tools, mm. combined them in a novel way. Right. I mm-hmm. wouldn't deny that's creative at all. It's just that I don't feel like anything stands on its own anymore. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. And they say there's nothing new under the sun, right? But there are things that are, you know, innovative, you know, like I was saying before, that do kind of bring something, you know, one of the other... um um, definitions of creativity I've seen is like, you know, connecting the dots or, you know, connecting the dots that especially the more disparate the dots, the more creative it is, right. Mm-hmm. Or the more innovative it is. So, um, and, and in some ways it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of semantics. We could sit around and like talk about like, well, what is creativity? But, you know, my, my focus is less on what it is and more of how it feels if that makes any sense right because that's really when you know you've tapped into something that's when you know that you've gotten into the zone that's when you know you've gotten into flow and that's when you know that you're in the presence of something really magical happening and that's really what I'm trying to help people do and that's why I I have a workshop called get unblocked Um, and I also have a workshop called hacking the creative brain And, um, you know, in both of those situations, what I'm really focusing on is 
making sure you get rid of all of the things that stand in the way of that flow, you know, of that energy and that, you know, excitement and interest and focus, all the things that stand in the way of that, getting rid of that so that can happen. Do you find developers get defensive about it because it doesn't come naturally? And so it's a very, very, you, you get pushback? No, you know what the interesting thing is, I've been really surprised at how um, receptive developers have been to this content. I, when I imagined it at the very beginning, four years ago, I was not thinking that developers were going to be on board with this. I was thinking, oh, I'll talk to other create quote creatives. I'll talk to designers and I'll talk to, you know, people in marketing and advertising and whatnot. And I feel like developers are more interested and more receptive to this than almost anybody that I've worked with so far because I think because developers do get into flow so easily, right? Or so much when they, when they do have that moment where they think it has to be at two o'clock in the morning, but it could be any time if they just set things up like you, like you had with your other, um, with your other guests a few weeks ago. Um, but that the developers actually have this capacity to just get in and just have this like single focus, you know, selective attention, like totally in the zone, in the place, working on stuff and having ideas, you know, just shooting rapid fire and almost can't keep up with, you know, all the ideas and ways that things are going to work together. And so I think that it's really interesting because developers have, developers are totally feeling me yo Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) as it were as 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 they would say in the common vernacular right well this this is a good time to tell you about coder camps coder camps is changing the way people learn net and javascript if you've been learning net on your own these guys can get you the skills that you need to get hired in just nine weeks They've been around for over a year now, and the results are just amazing. Everyone who's graduated has been hired within 90 days, and now they've made it even better by letting students attend camp online. Check them out at CoderCamps.com. Got to pay the bills there, Denise. Sorry to interrupt. Hey, no, no, no. That's okay. I mean, the Coder Camp sounds amazing. I've heard a lot of... um I've heard a lot of stories from people who have participated in in, in programs like that, and all of them have been just... Um, raving you know mm-hmm. all of them have been really glowing yeah it's good stuff well one of the things i like about stuff like coder camps is that sort of immersive intensive effect do you see that as conducive to more creativity do you need to really really focus on it or do you prefer to work more distracted like what's the more effective approach to creativity well nobody really works well distracted i i think our brains are literally not set up to be able to focus on a lot of different things at once. Um, Mm -hmm. Pretty much all of the research that I've read suggests that, and that multitasking is kind of like the devil's spawn. It's a myth. It's a a myth, and it is the the devil's spawn and one of the greatest creativity killers there is. And so I actually just came across something um, really interesting last night. I didn't get to read it in in complete depth, but it was talking about this kind of slow web movement. And part of that has to do with um, single tasking, um, not rushing to get things done, like doing things in a moderate amount of time, but not like feeling so stressed and pressured that you're just kind of wow, like all over the place, but like really kind of a nice measured approach to getting things done. Um, It was started by the people who created I Done This, 
which is an app, I think, where you can like, you know, check off tasks that you've done and you can report to your team what you've accomplished during the day. And um, I love the idea of that. I love the idea because, you know, in a lot of ways, I started doing this work because I was trying to figure out how to improve my own creative process, not just to accept myself as a creative person, but then, okay, now that I have, you know, identified myself as a creative, how can I be even more creative? How can I really effectively leverage the creativity that that I have that I recognize in myself. And so I'm always looking at stuff about increasing productivity, um, you know, enhancing the creative process. What can you do to like get rid of distractions and really be able to focus on what you're what's in front of you. And um, yeah, multitasking is bad, okay? Now is it bad because of interruptions? It's bad because it's bad because of inter well Interruptions are things that you can't necessarily control, but you can try to mitigate, right? right. Like, like you were talking about with the flow guy. Um, it's bad because of interruptions, yes. And it's also bad because, like I said, our brains just don't function well with that. We end up um, doing less bad. You end up doing less and it takes you too long. You know, like you're talking about leaving a breadcrumb trail. It takes you so long to get ramped up, to get back to the place where you were. There's a great article on, um, how to kill programmer productivity or developer productivity. And it has like this great graph on what happens when meetings happen, when people come by your desk and say hi, when you get, you know, a ping on Twitter or Facebook, like all these things. And it's like, you know, no wonder folks are like, I can't get into the zone because all of these things are doing exactly that to keep you from getting in the zone. If you go to tinyurl.com slash freakotasking, that's F-R-E-A-K-O-tasking, you'll come to an episode of Freakonomics, which is one of my favorite books and podcasts, The Myth of Multitasking, where nice. they actually had a, a CEO who was a well-known and well-agreed-on uh, multitasker. Mm. go through a series of tests where he was driving and uh, not only talking on the cell phone, but having to recall things and, uh, and given tests. And he did terribly at both. And this huh. guy was supposedly the best multitasker anybody could, you know, come up with. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Really true. Really true. You yeah. end up, you end up being very uh, low act, low accuracy and uh, just bad. You're right. It's just, just low just productivity, low motivation. Um, I think it kills your motivation. It kills your capacity, actually kind of so kills your self-confidence yeah. about what it is that you can accomplish mm -hmm. and what you're, what you're doing and kind of your own success. And it's just like, well, why? Why even do that? Like, why don't you set yourself up for success instead of failure by focusing, single tasking? I love uh, the Pomodoro technique. I recommend that really strongly to people mm -hmm. um, because, you know, then that's one way to like get your little monkey brain to stop going all over the place and to really focus on stuff. And you know that you only have 25 minutes. It's like I can focus on anything for right. 25 minutes and then you get that done, you get a break and it's a really great system. I, I particularly use the Pomodoro technique when I'm trying to do something that I don't want to do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. 
Now, that being said, one of the struggles I have with real intensive stuff is you get stuck and you sort of get anxious around being stuck when you mm-hmm. can't work through a particular problem. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it's good to change the task. You're that's- not necessarily multitasking, but you're just moving. You're like putting that aside and then you're changing tasks to something else. I have a guitar where- for that. Right. And that's the other thing. Like actually Einstein was known to um, play violin when he couldn't, when he got stuck on something, he would play violin and then the act of playing music would actually switch your brain over to a different part and allow all of those ideas to flow. So I would imagine that if you didn't play music, but if you just listened to music and did something, I like to do um, things that, that I, with my hands, for example, like mm-hmm. when I listen to music, I'd like to do things with my hands. And that's also known as a kind of a, a creativity hack in a way to like get your brain to relax and get it so that you can start getting into a place where ideas are flowing and things are moving again. Because it's the anxiety about not knowing or not know, not being able to do something that makes your brain that actually on a neurological level actually switches your brain into a different place and prevents you from coming up with ideas. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is now? Uh, It must be that happy time again. Yep. Time for me to stop cooking French toast, juggling five rings with one hand, and writing an IoT device uh, in C++ at the same time. Yeah, And instead focus on the single task of giving away some booty. And don't burn the toast. Uh, That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually time to give away a D-Experience collection from DevExpress. But before I tell you who won today... Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant.net solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com superhero. Our buddy, who's our winner? Today's winner, Stephen Krizanovic. Ah, congratulations, Stephen. Golf clap for you, sir. I got my clappers. Got the clappers. Yeah. And uh, Stephen just won a D-Experience subscription from Developer Express. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we give away great stuff. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .net Rocks fan club. Denise, you know what's coming. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology... Today, right now, let's go shopping. What would you buy? Okay, so the first thing that I would buy, because I'm totally into this sort of thing, is the Muse headset. Have you guys heard of that? Muse headset. Muse, M-U-S-E. Choosemuse.com. Exactly. So the Muse headset is amazing. It actually helps you... um, and train your brain waves so that you can get into relaxed um, and alpha states more easily. And alpha state is one of the places where your brain is the most creative, where you can access ideas the most. Um, children, for example, spend most of their time up to age five in alpha, alpha brainwave state, which is one of the reasons why children um, pick up languages so easily and learn so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, And so this headset is great because it actually kind of gamifies helping you learn how to get into this um, 
get into this state. Now, this isn't a transcranial direct current stimulation device, a TDCS device like uh, the Focus, which is something I brought up before. This is a measuring device, right? This is not putting uh, electricity into your brain. It is not putting electricity into your brain. It is def- it is monitoring what your brain waves are doing, as so far as I understand. So it's like a biofeedback device. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. Very right? cool. How much is it? I believe those little suckers go for about $200. Uh, I'm buying one. I'm such a right? sucker. Sorry, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right yeah. now. Right now. Mm-hmm. As opposed like, to the other one where you're firing electricity through your brain. What could go wrong? Well, you know, you use yeah, them both right. at the same time. <laughs> what could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong with firing electricity through your brain? Actually, though, they have done some studies that um, a low voltage, um, again, a great, um, great podcast that's on um, Radio Lab. Yes. Have you seen that one? Yeah, this is what got me into the focus. If you go to foc.us, this is a... TDCS device. And this is what I was talking about before. I heard about it from Radiolab. Yeah, low voltage electricity tends to help you focus. Right. Um, Still, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go with the Muse. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm just going to I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm just going to go with the Muse. I'd rather have the the monitoring rather than the infusion thereof. Yeah, I think you're you're a lot of people are in your camp. It's a little scary to Start zapping your brain. Interesting, questionable, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, it was interesting on that Radiolab show, Richard, that um, Jad Abumrad, he was he was willing to go through with the experiment. Robert Krolwich, the older and wiser of the two, said, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. This sounds like something you want to test on teenagers. Ah. (laughs) or dogs yeah nice oh my god it's a good thing both of your daughters richard are out of the teen years now yeah 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 because otherwise they have boys around try this yeah which is almost like getting bolted jolted in the head with electricity well you know when they all play video games this thing's all about accelerating your video game playing ability well that's just one of the byproducts of focus yeah yeah and that 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 sort of brain activity, you know, sort of uh, uh, spatial navigation and that kind of thing. All right, where were we before we were Number so two. rudely interrupted? Yeah, I Number think uh, you've only spent two hundred of the five thousand. You got a ways to go. I oh, do yeah. have a ways to go. So the next thing that I would get is a brand new Yippee Skippy with like all like probably with a um, i seven processor. And like a whole bunch of like RAM and like a super duper SSID um, high drive, hard drive, um, get a um, a new MacBook Pro mm-hmm. um, Retina. Yeah, that that should take care of a good twenty. That's a big chunk right there. Those things loaded See? up are about three grand. There you exactly, go. Exactly. Exactly. This was part of my. This was part of my grandmaster plan. After the MacBook Pro, um, I would want the also the big. I was like, you know, I might as well just get all macked out. Um, so Mac I it up. Get, Easy Mac way to spend up. money. Mac it up. Apple's okay. always happy to take your money. I'm sure they are. Um, I would get the uh, the 27 inch Thunderbolt um, display, and okay. then I think I got a little bit of money left, and so then uh, I was thinking that a little iPad Mini with a Logitech um, keyboard. 
All right. Good enough. And I think that gets me in the close to the 5,000 range, if not, if not there. You talk in your work and in your workshops about inner critics. What's an, what's an inner critic? So the inner critic is kind of that voice that tells you that you suck and that can't it's never do it and you can't do it. And oh, you mean Bob? <laughs> <laughs> right. Your inner critic's name is Bob. Like everybody's. Bob, Bob. shut up. Leave <laughs> me alone. I love it. So, so it's that, it's that voice, that kind of voice that, you know, you created a long time ago to try to protect you from, you know, from problems and like unforeseen problems. But what it really does is a lot of times it just holds you back from being able to be a badass, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, the thing that I've found interesting about starting to talk about the inner critic is how much, again, surprised at how much people, like have really liked that and just like, Oh my God, you were talking to me. Mm. Like there wasn't even anybody else in the room. Like I just thought you were talking to me. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I was talking to you and all y'all who can get down with this. Um, <laughs> all, y'all. all y'all, all y'all, y'all, <laughs> all y'all. That's almost like one word. Yeah, like, every other language has a all y'all, but we, all ours y'all. we make fun of. Why is that funny? <laughs> That's exactly what we need. All y'all. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, but the, the inner critic, again, is like one of those really major barriers to um, getting into creative flow. And so I like to talk about it because it's one of those things, again, people don't talk about that much, but it's very real and it affects a lot of folks. And if you can start learning how to manage your relationship with the inner critic or learn how to silence it or, you know, make deals with it or whatever, then you can start to um, really get into those creative states a lot better yeah. and a lot more easily. All right. And mm-hmm. how does one do that? I mean, what do you just tell it to shut up? I mean, it's shut not up. that easy sometimes. No, it's not that easy. Well, there's a couple of things because the inner critic actually shows up in different forms. So, um, and kind of like insidious stuff that you don't like, oh, that's my inner critic snap. So, um, one form that the, your inner critic can show up is being a perfectionist. And so when you're just like, you know, it's never, I just need to do this one last thing and then it'll be perfect. Oh no, I need to tweak this one last thing and then it'll be perfect. That's usually your inner critic in there because you're trying to kind of, um, you know, forestall any criticism that you think they may come or whatever by trying to make it perfect. But there's no such thing as perfect. Sometimes you just need to get stuff out the door, right? right? And sometimes it's better to just do stuff and to get feedback on it and tweak it based on the feedback than trying to think through everything which you can't mm-hmm. ahead of time. Um, so, um, so kind of there's different ways of different with dealing with the different aspects of your inner critic. Another way that the inner critic can show up is procrastination. Yeah. So if you're like putting things off, you're like, I'll get to it. I'll just, I'll do it. And a lot of times people think that procrastination is about being lazy. And procrastination is not laziness. Mm -hmm. It's usually when people cannot um, deal with this kind of unknown quantity, like not knowing how to do something, not having all of the information, again, afraid of being criticized for making a mistake, that sort of thing. So a lot of times that's what will happen. And then um, another form that the inner critic can show up is like comparing, comparing yourself to other people, comparisons. So when you're just like, well, you know, like, like if I were to start a podcast 
And then all of a sudden I was just like, well, my podcast isn't as popular as .NET Rocks. Right. I don't uh-huh. have thousands of people all over the right. country. You basically cut off your chances of being awesome. And, right. You know, and it's like, uh, you, like you started a podcast last month. Like, of course, you're not going to have as many people. And, you know, you, you're comparing yourself to Richard and, and Carl has nothing to do with what you're doing or the success that you could possibly have. I find a good antidote for that is comparing yourself to something ridiculously better than you. Well, you know, like. If you're, if you're, if it's about money, you compare yourself to Bill Gates, you know, and then it's like, well, duh, I'm never going to be that rich, you know? And if it's about, you know, what, if it's about music, you know, you compare yourself to the Beatles, you know what I mean? Or whatever, you know, because it basically reinforces the idea that there's always going to be somebody that's more X than you, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be so, and there's always going to be somebody who's less. So right, so and why then, why bother? What I usually tell people is to compare yourself to yourself. Yeah. So yourself you know, yesterday, do yourself yesterday or five years ago. So you know what I like to do a lot of times is I you know I could get fall into the trap of being like, well, I'm not like a popular speaker like Malcolm Gladwell, right? But um, but when I look back at what I was doing four years ago. It's amazing what I've done. And so I keep like in terms of my in my own mind, I'm like, wow, like four years ago, I wanted to be living the life that I'm living now. Right. And so that is really cool. Like, am I at Malcolm Gladwell's level? No. Will I ever get there? I don't know. Who knows? But compared to where I was four years ago, I'm kicking major butt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and 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 what do you think about um goal writing? Like writing down the things that you want to do or the things that you want to achieve or, you know, writing, making lists. I think goal writing and goal setting and like, you know, kind of using the power of intention is incredibly powerful. And when you write something down, it's like it triggers the subconscious part of your brain to start making it happen. It's like, Mm. it's like the subconscious is like number one, you know, make it so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, yeah. and it just, and it starts, and it, and that's the other thing too. If you make lists and you start to make lists and then you keep them and then you go back to them and you look and you're like, holy crap, I actually did that. Right. And I did that and I did that and I did that. Well, I, maybe I didn't do that thing, but three out of five ain't bad, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, I found goal writing to be very, very powerful. And just like you said, it's almost magic. It is almost magic, but it it isn't because, like I said, it is you establishing the intention. And then, like I said, part of your brain, the subconscious part of your brain, which is the biggest part and which controls everything, starts starts to get to work, you know? I I really love what uh, Joe Campbell said uh, when Mm. he said, we think that the brain is in charge, you know, the, the, the conscious mind, but it's a secondary organ, you know? Like most people think of when I say I, you know, my ego, what I am, I am the thing that lives behind my eyes, the the body carries around from place to place, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know, all of you is uh, contributes to your subconscious, Absolutely, All, all of you, not just what's in your head. And then interesting thing is too, is when you like realize that your subconscious is taking in information, all information at all times, all the time. Right. And is processing everything internally and externally things that you that you don't you don't consciously perceive your subconscious is perceiving and is taking note and is using it and everything. And so there's tons of stuff 
that kind of comes in, that's input that we have no idea mm. of what it is. And that's why and, sleep is important, isn't it? Because that's yeah. the sort of sorting out of all of that subconscious input. At least yes. that's one theory anyway. Yeah, well, there's a lot of theories and, you know, who's to say that all of them aren't correct? Mm. <laughs> yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. The the accurate answer will be complex. Yes. It, it will be complex at the very least. Right. Yeah. yeah. Answers to complex problems aren't simple. <laughs> <laughs> very well said, Carl. Well, that's true. So what do you what do you do with folks who believe they aren't creative? Um, I like to, like I said, kind of encourage them and show them where they are creative and kind of find out, even if they're just like, well, I can't, you know, I don't do anything that's creative. Then I'm just like, okay, well then, and they do it with that voice. That I love that voice. voice. Sorry, was that Marv from The Office? That's the voice that showed up? Does he have a red stapler? That's right. I just want a red stapler. The both of you. Um, so, um. Yeah, they and they do it in that voice. And what I usually what I usually will do is instead of focusing on the word creativity, which for some people is kind of um, uh, a trigger, yeah, <laughs> like that's a right, trigger. Yeah. Uh, then I try to focus on like flow, or you know, when's the last time? Like, what happens? You know, what what are you doing when you feel like totally like you lose yourself? You know, right. you lose yourself. You could be doing this thing for like five hours and not remember to use the bathroom and not remember that you're hungry and not, you know, get up from the same place. And it seemed like just a few minutes passed. When is that happening? That's flow. And then when they say, oh, well, I do that when I'm blah, then I'm like, okay, well, let's focus on that. Like, have you considered that maybe, you know, like what, so then what happens when you're, let's say, oh, I get all of these ideas and, you know, it's like, I'm really excited about it and this, that, and everything. That's like, okay. Oh, here's another story. Uh, this week on This American Life, this is like podcast reference day. Um, I was just listening to this show yesterday. It's called Magic Words from August mm-hmm. 15th, 2014. And mm-hmm. one of the, and it's sort of, you know, how, how, some magic words can be used for good, some for evil, blah, blah, blah. But but words are really powerful. Right. One of the stories was about uh, a woman whose mother sadly uh, uh, had, had dementia and mm-hmm. didn't recognize her. And she found it – she found her role just being heartbroken and all the time trying to pull her mother back into reality. You know, mm. oh, no, mom, you live here. Oh, no, mom, I'm your daughter. You know, that kind of stuff. And right. it's just heartbreaking. And her husband um, decided, you know, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to just go along with her and her stories, you know, the mother, and Mm. and sort of improv my way into making her laugh and making her feel comfortable. And, Mm. of course, the the mother loved it to the point where, you know, the husband became her new best friend. And she remembered all sorts of things about him and the stuff that he had done with her. But she didn't recognize her own daughter. Wow. Yeah. So so the mother would say, uh, you know, uh, there's monkeys outside the house. And he said, well, why don't we let them in? We, they can stay with us. Yeah, I see them. And she would say, oh, no, you can't have monkeys in the house. <laughs> so now they're having a conversation about what they're going to do with the monkeys. And, to, you know, it just and, and the mother just started laughing. And so... It turned out to be a really great way to deal with it, but, you know, at the detriment of everybody else who doesn't play along. 
Well, and that really speaks to kind of the power of using the imagination, the power of improv, and the power of play, right? And how important that is and how that really actually wakes people up and makes them feel more alive and more engaged. And interestingly, kind of kind of going back to, I think, something we said earlier, I think we were talking about collaboration or something, um, but I've actually started collaboration with Jesse Sternshoes. You guys both know. Oh, yeah, know. we know Jesse. Oh, yeah, we do a show with her. Jesse, right. So Jesse of the Improv Effects. So we've got this great, um, this great thing that we're doing where we're gonna, we're teaming up to do workshops together and do work with companies and things like that. And it's great because she has totally let out my inner improv person, mm-hmm. which I kind of knew it was, was there, but didn't know. And so it's great to have somebody where you do that and then you unleash all kinds of creativity and all kinds of innovation and innovative thinking by using play and by using improv and by using the yes and kind of system, you know, like going along with whatever people say and just adding to it. Yeah. yeah, there's monkeys, let's let them in, you That's know, right. <laughs> and next thing you know, so this woman all of a sudden is like I think one of the reasons why she connected with the son, she's like, "Oh, he gets me." Right, you know, sure. it's like he's listening and he gets me. And I yeah, think that's what you're anno- that's you're what annoying does. her when you bring her back to reality. It's annoying. Yeah. Right. Don't tell right. now you're calling me a liar, telling me I'm wrong. Right? Right. Yeah. And I and I think that's true too with like developers you know, to kind of bring it back to the whole creativity thing, when there is kind of this this um, this system or this practice of kind of adding to things and having a more playful approach and everything, that that can also help people kind of get into this flow state and get into the zone a lot faster and a lot more easily. Just a theory. And uh, this is a good time to stop and tell you that if you're an experienced developer or project manager looking for a change of pace, consider working with me and my world-class team at App V Next, building the next generation Internet of Things and NUI apps. Are you in? Check out appvnext.com. Then go ahead and send me a resume. Nice. Yeah. Almost makes me wish that I was a developer. I'd send a resume in. The, <laughs> by the way, the response to that has been amazing. And, oh, uh, I can imagine. Yeah. You're probably experiencing an embarrassment of riches at this point. No, no, not yet. Nope. Just actually in the uh, the vetting stage and in the uh, planning stage and getting everything. We want to do it right. Mm-hmm. So it's stay understandable. Tu- stay tuned for more on that, mm-hmm. listeners. So we were talking about improv and Jesse Sternschist. Did you have you guys done workshops together? We are going to be doing a workshop together at the NDC London yeah. um, in December, and it's going to be awesome. I bet. Um, and so, yep, we're going to be doing that. And then uh, there's probably another event that we're going to be doing together in Norway in February, which is also going to be pretty amazing. And so would, there will be more information on that as we get the details in place. Huh. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And what what exactly are you going to be doing in this workshop? Um, well, what we kind of were talking about was um, calling it like agile innovation and basically like applying agile kind of methodology to um, innovation and kind of creative collaboration within teams, helping um, developers get unstuck so that they can get into flow states and actually kind of communicate their needs around what what they what they need to be able to do so 
You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of times developers don't realize that they can say, I can't talk to you right now. Like, please don't bother me or use the headset rule, the headphones rule right. and be like, let people really know. Like when I've got my headphones on, that means don't don't bother me. And when my headphones are off, that means that I'm open to talk to you. Right. Um, that sort of thing. So um, and then we're going to have kind of a, it's going to be a two day workshop. And then the second day is going to be a um, uh, kind of what you need to do to collaborate well with with other people. And then we're going to have kind of an ideation workshop for the second half of the day. So it's going to be pretty amazing. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Hey, uh, before we go, tell us a bit about your experience with Ted. By the way, the TED Talks are like my favorite thing to watch and listen to on the internet. Just great stuff. Oh, my God. It's kind of a shame that that we save this till the end because it's such a great story um, of how I ended up doing that. But basically, my experience itself was phenomenal. I ended up meeting the guy who was the organizer on a Monday evening. And the event was on a Thursday afternoon. Wow. And by Tuesday morning, he t- I basically just said to him kind of somewhat playfully but somewhat seriously like, oh, you should have me put be in your event. And he was like, well, I'm the organizer. Let me check <laughs> with the team. And he comes back Tuesday and he was like, I got kind of two out of three yeses. One guy I'm working over they don't want you to do anything that has to do with web design. I was like, I don't want to do anything that has to do with web design. Right. And uh, the next thing I got like a firm yes on Wednesday morning. So I had to like bust my little butt to put something together and Mm -hmm. went in there Thursday afternoon and rocked it in my personal opinion. Um, Despite being nervous, despite not having a whole lot of time to practice (laughs) and run through it. Um, And it was just amazing an experience. Everybody just was so like, like, like almost like starry eyed afterwards, like, oh my God, that was great. And one woman said the best thing to me, which was, I, I've never been to a TEDx event. This is my first one. And I came to this event hoping to hear a talk like yours. Wow. So thank you so much. And I was like, drop the mic. Yep. Done. Yeah. Yeah. What more do you want? Yeah. Not, not a whole lot. And is your talk online? My talk is online. It's called Transmuting Fear, and it's talking about how to change um, fear into creative productivity. All right, so we'll put that link in the show notes, and and uh, I haven't I haven't seen it. I heard that you had done a TED talk, but I'm really really looking forward to watching it. It's a it's a really great talk. It's I'm I'm really happy with it. Um, I've actually taken that talk and use that and as kind of the basis of my banish your inner critic talk so Mm. the one that i did in ndc oslo so that one is actually expanded beyond uh the tedx talk that i did and so both of them are actually really really great talks so you know transmuting fear and getting rid of your inner critic is great if you're a good person but what if you're a jerk Shouldn't you have an inner critic to tell you, don't hold up that bank, you idiot. You're going to go to jail. I think that's probably one of the things that makes a person a sociopath a sociopath. Yeah, is that, is that the foundation of a supervillain? Right. Yeah. Is that Be a they jerk and suppress have, your inner critic? Yeah. Exactly. Don't have an inner critic. That is the problem. All right. So if you're a jerk, don't take Denise's advice. All right? That's right. And I think yes, we've covered get, it. Go find an inner critic and name him Bob. <laughs> 
Wow, this has been a great uh, almost hour. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Denise, before we let go? Um, I did want to say that there is the possibility, so something that people should watch out for, is there is the poss- very strong possibility that I will be writing a book um, called Hacking the Creative Brain, which is going to be like 52 creativity hacks to help you um, uh, get unblocked and allow creativity to flow better. Mm. So that should that could be coming out like early next year, I hope. So sounds um, very I Ching ish, right? You just sort of flip it open. There's a hack. Go for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Nice work, Richard. Yes. Mm. So it is one of those things where it's not necessarily linear. It is one of those things where it's like you need a hack. Bam! Just open it up. See, like you know, put your finger on the page and see what you come up with. Did you get that? Richard just made a creative association right there. <laughs> he connected the dots. He totally connected the dots. He totally connected the dots. And that's that is why very his true. podcast rocks. Nice. And, yeah. And that's why .NET rocks. It does. Yeah. Um. So yeah, <laughs> that's exactly the concept. And then I don't know when the next book is coming out, but that one's going to be a more in-depth book kind of talking about the science and the kind of support and research that supports all of the reasons why those those hacks work all um, right yeah so I can't wait for um, that. that's coming and um i've got a great travel schedule coming up in this fall so if people want to see me um i'll be in san francisco um doing the closing keynote for ux week next month in september i'll be in the uk for generate conference uh, in New York for the future of storytelling, uh, closing keynote for the Chuanham Developers Conference, future of web design in New York in November, and uh, DevOps in Antwerp, Belgium. And then, like I said, doing the awesome workshop at NDC London in December. So if anybody wants to try to connect up with me, you can find me in those places or you can just connect up with me online. Go to my website, denisejacobs.com or email me at denise at denisejacobs.com. That sounds easy. Mm -hmm. All right, Denise. Thanks a lot. It's been great. Thank you, guys. It was so much fun. Absolutely. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a